As I said earlier, we're thinking about prayer today, and one of the questions that we ask when we're thinking about prayer is, what's the purpose? What is prayer all about? What are we trying to accomplish when we go to God in prayer? We're in the series that we're calling Grow, and we're thinking about some practices that can lead us to spiritual growth and, and really open our lives up so God can transform us. That's the key. Last week we talked about the study of Scripture and, and how spending time in God's Word begins to transform us, and that serves as a foundational practice for all the others. This week we're thinking about prayer. We finished a series on prayer not that long ago about prayers from the Old Testament, and we noted all the way through that series that, that really what we learned the most about was the nature of God and how that understanding of God's nature then informs our prayer lives. But we asked the question then, what's, what's the purpose of prayer? What are we trying to accomplish? And we said, are we trying to change God's will? Or are we trying to conform ourselves to God's will? How does it work? And we need to think a little bit about that this morning. What are we doing this for? What's this all about? You know, conversations are rarely about one thing. And we talk about prayer as a conversation, right? A conversation with God. But our conversations with people who really matter in our lives. So think about this. I, I call my parents about every seven days or every ten days, something like that, or they call me. And, and when we talk, you know, I may be calling them to see how they're doing because they've got some health problems and things like that. So I could be calling to get information. Or it might be that I call them because I want to tell them something about th that's happening in, in our family, something's going on with our girls. So I might be calling to, to give information. I might be calling to invite them to come visit with us because something important is happening and, and we want them here for that. So it could be a request. Or it could be that they're calling me asking for us to come down. So I'm responding to a request. They're asking me for something. So all those things could be at work, maybe even in the same conversation. It's rare that we have a conversation with someone who is important to us that just has one aspect, one purpose. And the truth is, even if I didn't have anything I needed to know for my parents, or I didn't have anything to tell them, there was no request on either side, I'd still call them or they would call me just to stay connected. You know, we have this sense that if we don't communicate, we're not connected. So I want to stay connected to them, so we, we talk. And I think there's some of this that translates over into our understanding of prayer. Rarely do we go to God with a single purpose. It's oftentimes a complex conversation that involves lots of things, things that we may be asking God for, things we want to tell God, things that we're opening our hearts, hoping that God will speak into our lives. So the question today is, what does the Bible have to say about all this? And we're going to get to what Scripture has to say. But really we want to think in terms of how can prayer transform us? How does it make us different? How does it change us? If these practices are for spiritual transformation, what does prayer do that would transform us into the people that God wants us to be? Now the truth is prayer is not always easy, right? If you're at all like me, and maybe not everybody is, but if you're like me at all, you can sit down to pray and suddenly your mind is on a million other things, right? 
I mean, you're thinking about things that are coming up. You're thinking about a conversation you had yesterday or last week. You're thinking about some things that are worrying you. And it's really hard sometimes to put all that out of your mind and focus in on this conversation you're having with God. And the truth is, and maybe nobody else deals with this, but if I sit down and am really still and close my eyes and bow my head, it just might not be long. Okay, I'm not the only one, all right? Till I'm asleep, okay? It's easy for those things to happen. And, and when they do, we might even begin to think, man, is this really all that important? If I'm that easily distracted or, or maybe if I get sleepy, maybe this isn't doing that much for me. I think Scripture says something different. I want us to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians is a great book. Paul's letter to this church in Ephesus that, where he really lays out, okay, this is what it means to understand who Jesus is. And then in the second half of the book, this is what it means to live it out. So if you're a Christian, this is what it looks like in your family. If you're a Christian, this is what it looks like in terms of work. And at the end of the letter, he talks a little bit about what Christian prayer looks like. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, right near the end, verse 18, Paul says this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, at first glance, it sort of seems like that's a really general sort of make sure you keep on praying. Before we finish this letter, I should at least say something about prayer. I think there's more to it than that. And I think there's some things that we can pull out of this that help us understand prayer a little bit better. One of the phrases that he uses is pray in the Spirit. And when we first hear that phrase, we might think, well, there are you know, certain Christian groups that they're all about the Spirit, and, and praying in the Spirit sounds like something that that's for them. That's what they do. But the truth is, Paul wrote this to all the Christians in Ephesus, not just some of them. And I think this letter applies to all the Christians everywhere now, not just some of them. So praying in the Spirit is not just for a certain group of people that have a gift. Praying in the Spirit is not just for people who have been doing this a long time and who are special Christians, not just for people with a, a responsibility, a role, a title. It's for all Christians because we have all been filled with God's Spirit. When we're baptized, we are filled with God's Spirit. And so praying in the Spirit is not just for some particular group of people because every single one of us, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are filled with His Spirit. That means God's Spirit is in you. And so when we pray, we're going to God and asking that his spirit would be involved in this conversation. Have you ever been in a situation where you really didn't know what to pray? I mean, there is something in front of you that the dynamics are so complex, and it seems to be so out of control that you're just not really sure which way to turn. You can't figure out what it would look like for this to work out. In fact, you're not even sure what it would look like for it to get better. And so you don't what to ask God for, for praying in the Spirit. I think the Spirit provides maybe not even the words, but 
the right thoughts and feelings, the right connection with God, so that we're just laying out whatever's going on. Maybe not even words, but just laying out how this feels to be me in this circumstance and hoping that God can work in the midst of it. Pray in the Spirit, Paul says. And then he says, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So when we pray, just at the the times when things are wrong, or maybe just at meals or at a special quiet time during the day, Paul says, pray on all occasions. So when we're at church, and when we're at work, and when we're at home, and when we're in the car, we can pray on any of those times. And that's sort of what it makes sense when Paul says elsewhere, pray continually. Pray without ceasing, it says in some of the translations. How do we do that? We just, we just pray. We make it part of whatever we're doing with all kinds of prayers and requests, Paul says. Now, we've seen that language show up a few weeks ago. Thought, where, where we use this regular word for prayer, which includes everything, right? I mean, that's thanksgiving, and that's praising God for who he is and, and requests. But specifically, Paul says, and he uses the word a couple times here. Sometimes it doesn't show up in English translation. But twice he says, make sure you're giving those requests to God. There's stuff you need in your life. There's stuff you need help with. There's places that you need healing or someone you love needs healing. Don't be afraid to lay that out for God. You know, there are times when we think, well, what I'm praying about seems so mundane. I mean, it's about paying bills and raising kids, and it's just the everyday sort of stuff. And when I compare this relationship stuff or this money stuff or this work stuff, when I compare that to all that God has to deal with and all the problems that are in the world, it seems so insignificant. But when Paul says, pray on all occasions, and pray with all your prayers and all your requests, it's pretty clear to me that he's saying, take it all to God, and don't be afraid to ask for something. Don't think that it's not important enough somehow for God's ears to hear it. Lay it out there. God wants to hear our prayers and our requests. And then he says, be sure you're praying for the church. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We're not in this alone. We should be praying for each other. Not just Christians here, but Christians around the world. But the point is, I should be seeking out the prayers of my brothers and sisters. And I should be praying for your needs. Not just as a minister, as a Christian. As a fellow believer, we're called to have that kind of prayer for one another. Then he goes on, verse 19. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly, and note that word, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, the same word again, as I should. Now, I find those couple of verses really interesting. 
Because I've got, I've got this image of Paul that I think developed, you know, starting in Sunday school many years ago and, and, and went through my own Bible study and even college and all that. I have this picture of Paul. And here's Paul, this powerful preacher of the gospel, right? I mean, he is unafraid to go into a town. He doesn't know anybody. And he's ready to talk about Jesus with anyone who will listen. He talks about Jesus to people who don't know Jesus. He talks about uh, Jesus to the church. He talks about Jesus when he knows there are people in the crowd who don't want to hear it. He talks about Jesus when he knows there's a price to be paid. He's going to be arrested for doing this. Whatever the circumstance, Paul is out there and he's preaching with power. And then I hear Paul ask these Christians in Ephesus, pray for me that I will be able to speak the Word of God. And how? Fearlessly. Maybe my image of Paul is not perfect because it seems to me that he was concerned that he would do this without holding back. That he would be out there with courage sharing the message of Jesus. Maybe Paul had some fear to overcome. It also strikes me that he says, pray for me. I mean, here's Paul. He's an apostle. What that word means is that he was sent by Jesus with a mission to do something important. I mean, he's a guy who's a church leader, and he goes around preaching and establishing churches, and when he leaves, there's elders in place. The church is ready to go. They're sharing the message of Jesus. And Paul says, pray for me. Paul needed prayer too. You know, I think over the past few weeks, um, the visit of Pope Francis made a, a huge impact in the United States. I mean, people were talking about things to do with the church and the news media, and it was just a lot of conversation. And certainly, if, if Pope Francis were here this morning and we talked about our understanding of Scripture and the church, there, there would be some things that we had some disagreement on, okay? And that's okay. But one of the things that I really noted that had a powerful effect while he was here, was after people had a sort of a private conversation with him. One of the things that they consistently said when they came out of those conversations was, you know, he asked me to pray for him. And I think there's a lesson to learn there. I mean, here's a guy who has, I mean, if you talk about positions in the church, this is one. A man who has a lot of influence, a man who in some ways has some power at stake as well. And what does he say? Pray for me. And yeah, we, we might not agree on everything, but I think he taught something in his actions there that is important for us as Christians and Christians doing ministry, and Christians leading in ministries, that there are times when we need to say to our brothers and sisters who are working alongside us, pray for me. I need you to pray for me, to do my ministry, to be the right person, to be a person of integrity, to stand for truth, to to speak even when no one wants to listen to what I'm saying. We need that same sense, that sense of humility that says, I don't have it all figured out, and I need your prayers. 
Jesus, even Jesus saw the need to take time for prayer. We see it over one example in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark tells us very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus. Why did Jesus need prayer? Jesus was God's son. Jesus was God himself. I mean, we've talked a little bit about koinonia. Stan mentioned it in the meditation. Community. Communion. You talk about communion. Community. The community that we find in the in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the deepest that there is. We can't even fathom that. All of our community with one another is modeled after that. And Jesus was in the middle of that, God's Son, God Himself, and He needed time for prayer. If Jesus needed, if Jesus needed that time, how desperately do I need prayer? So the lesson we get if we take these passages and think about prayer, and certainly there's many more lessons to get in the New Testament, but a simple one, make prayer your way of life. Make it your way of life. You see, I think for many of us, what we want to do with prayer is we want to take it and say, okay, this is is a good thing. This is a valuable thing, even an important thing. But it's, it's one thing, and I'm going to place it right here aside, beside all the other stuff that I do, including reading Scripture and some other good church stuff, but also work and family and all those things that we do. It's one important thing that I, I get to when I can. But that's not the example that we see in the New Testament from Jesus. It's not the example we see in the Old Testament from the prophets and others that we talked about. Certainly not the example we see in Paul. They made it their way of life. It was part of their heartbeat. It was part of who they were. It was part of their identity. It wasn't just one thing they did. It was the thing they did. And life happened in the middle of it. Richard Foster, in in the book Celebration of Discipline, says this, To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If Scripture is sort of the foundational practice that we talked about last week, prayer is really the beginning of this transformation. To pray, he says, is to change. Why is that? Because we cannot have an encounter with Almighty God, our Creator, the one who brings us salvation and eternal life in Jesus. We can't have an encounter with that God without being changed. Now, it can't be just sort of a prayer before meals. And it can't be, hey, God, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. How about taking care of that? I'm talking about a real encounter with God, about connecting with the God who made me. If we're in touch with that power in a real way, it will change us. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like a lot of different things. I can't give you, okay, here's the one right way that the Bible says to pray. 
because we're given an amazing amount of freedom in Scripture to pray in lots of different ways. We've been, we've been told, look, if we look back at those Old Testament prayers that we worked through already, they pray in lots of different ways for lots of different things. Now, Jesus, when his disciples said, hey, teach us how to pray, he gave us a prayer, a beautiful prayer, a powerful prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And we can pray that prayer. We can use that prayer as an outline where we talk about God's greatness and, and then we confess our sin and we give thanks and we take our needs to God. It's an outline, a way of praying. But I don't think Scripture ever says that's the only way to pray. We've been given lots of ways. But we've got to begin doing it. And encountering this powerful, real God by engaging him in conversation. It's going to look different for all of us. Now, for me, I am easily distracted in prayer. When I get still and quiet, my mind's going to go in a thousand directions. And in the book Extreme Prayer, the, the there, author there talks about, okay, use that, okay? Don't be afraid of it, and don't let it bother you. In fact, when your mind begins to wander to other things, Instead of letting that bother you, just take those things and pray through them. And I think that's a great practice. But I still need a little more to get me focused. Now, you know, I, I don't know how it works for you again. You, you may not have this trouble, but I really need something to help me focus. And it could be something like just pen and paper and list some things that I want to pray for. I use an app on my tablet. You can get it for your phone or your tablet. It's called Echo, and it's a prayer list app. And you just list all your prayers. You can add them. You can take them off when that prayer is answered. And it just, you, you go through each day, and it puts one on your screen at a time. And you just pray for that and swipe it, and you go to the next one. Swipe it, go to the next one. And it just helps keep me focused and you know, when I say to you, I want to pray over whatever it is, maybe you've told me something's going on, you're going to have surgery, you're concerned about a child or a spouse or whatever, and I say, I want to be in prayer over that, I want to be telling you the truth. And if I don't write that down and remind myself of that, I'm lying to you, okay? And I want to be telling you the truth. So it's, it's easy for me to forget some of that. So I have to remind myself. Because you see, Paul says in this passage, right, Pray for all the Lord's people. And it's not that my prayers are better than your prayers, but if you ask me to pray, I want to pray. And there are times, again, when I may need the prayers of the church too. We all do. Use something to be intentional about encountering this powerful God because it can change you. Make prayer your way of life. Now, for some of us in the room, we might have to be honest and say, you know what, I haven't been really praying that much. It's been casual here and there, a little bit of prayer alongside everything else. Let me encourage you to begin really praying. Maybe it's this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Maybe it's on your commute. Remember, pray on all occasions. But just begin praying. Don't be afraid you're going to get it wrong, because you're not. As long as you're talking to God, laying out your request to Him, you're not going to get it wrong. He wants to hear from you, and He wants to change you through prayer. Let's pray together. God, your, your gift of prayer is really amazing. Just the fact that you promise us that when we pray to you, you hear us. 
That's a blessing. We have to confess that there are times that we've neglected that blessing. When we've ignored it. God, we repent of that. And we ask that you'd help us to change. Because we want to be transformed by your presence in our lives. So help us to be people of prayer. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today you know that it's time for a change in your life and you're ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized into him. If you've made that decision, we want to be part of that. We want to see it happen. We want to celebrate that with you. Or maybe you want to become a member of our church as a baptized believer. You've decided you want to serve alongside us. We'd like to know about that as well. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.